Welcome to the Innate Flow Podcast, a vibration in the time-space continuum, communicating the wisdom, reflection, and awareness direct from the mouths of authentic truth seekers and spiritual warriors. These conversations are empowered dispatches, co-created to uncover how we as individuals can move into healing our collective consciousness in a holistic and intuitive way. Sit back, quiet the mind, and open the heart as we integrate the here and now. What's up, fam? This is a very special episode with my brother, Ryan Washington. Uh, The first 15 minutes of this episode were lost as a result of the poor internet connection at the Taos Public Library, and that is why we jump right in with the hot open of Ryan exploring his healing journey. Ryan Washington is a healer, an energy worker, a breathwork coach, and a training camp for the soul mentor of mine. Ryan is someone who I admire for his uncanny ability to demolish limiting beliefs through asking seemingly simple questions, which is a characteristic that speaks to his deep intuitive awareness. I trust you are going to get a lot out of this show. If you do, please rate, review, subscribe. And if you know someone who will resonate with this message, share it with them. Sending love. A lot of the people that I was working with, they they challenged in very similar ways. So the specifics, right? The specifics were different, but the challenge was virtually the same. Um, I noticed a lot of not feeling like they were good enough, not feeling like they could follow a routine or whatever the mind wants to tell them that's gonna hold them into the same familiar place. And so I noticed that it wasn't that they couldn't reach their goals, it's that they were stopping themselves in certain ways. And at that moment, at that time, I didn't have the proper coaching to coach them through that. I was a specialist in nutritional guidance, uh, macros and reverse dieting and all of the fun stuff that competitors do. And so I noticed that, okay, this is an area that I also saw myself struggling. So I had to reflect, how did I make it through it? And at that moment in time, I couldn't really pinpoint anything until I got into TCS. Like, okay, this is, and then of course the elevation began. You know, I was like, okay, this is, this is what self-love, self-appreciation feels like. Not just looks like, but feels like. How does it feel to the body? Because the feeling is the, the major shift. Right? We can tell our brains and we can tell our minds something all day. It's like repeating an affirmation all day. But if the, the body isn't on board, if there isn't a feeling, a sensation to match the thoughts, then it's not going to be believed. It's not going to be acted on that in a way that's going to be in alignment to support the end goal. So I then began doing a lot of self-coaching and then putting myself out there to coach in this way and the results were absolutely amazing. Um, It was the moment in time where I knew that I was completely in the right place and 
at that moment, at that time, I didn't know what I was going to do with personal training, if I was even going to continue, because it didn't feel like in full alignment. I knew that I was going to be helping people, but I didn't know in what capacity. So I just allowed myself to, to just move in the flow of whatever was going to show up for me. And this is what has shown up. Um, and it's been an amazing ride so far. I've thoroughly enjoyed the, the, the level of coaching and support that I've been able to give people and the, the major shifts and epiphanies that I've been able to witness from people. And it's like uh, one of my mentors says that the universe is always gifting us an experience and we are in support or we are invited to the other person's party. When someone comes to us for support, they're inviting us to their, to their party, to their healing party, so to speak. So all we are there to do is show up and be authentic, ask the right questions and allow self-healing to begin for the person to begin to be facilitated. A beautiful part of coaching that, that I have noticed is the allowance of the reflection, the mirror that we function as to see where within ourselves this person is reflected in how they are showing up in limiting ways and how we have come to embody our own healing in that way to best support this other person. I would like to rewind back to 12-year-old Ryan finding meditation as this tool in the space of intuitive awareness, in the space of curiosity, and then having societal conditioning, societal projections placed upon him that ultimately beat and like conditioned that curiosity out of him that that intuitive awareness out of him that you went on this hero's journey to reclaim to refine and to assimilate to embody within the training camp for the soul experience um what was your process for coming back into that space of finding that inner child, that little Ryan who just wanted to, to learn more about meditation, to go into himself and learn himself, to learn his awareness. Um, what was that process for you? Yeah. Uh, the first thing was, of course, being aware, just like as we are taught the five stages of healing. Uh, I had to become aware that this was for me in a way a trauma that was completely unprocessed and at the time i didn't have the capacity to feel everything through i didn't have the capacity to uh yeah to just feel my emotions of sadness of frustration why doesn't why don't people understand me um and of anger that was a result from the unprocessed sadness and so I just, I knew there was going to be, I didn't know there was going to be any processing going on with having to heal. I didn't know that that was a part of the process, but I think that when, when I look back at it now, um, having the feelings of rejection at that moment were some of the best, was the best for me. It's the best thing that could have ever happened to me. But at the time, it was 
it was very challenging. It was very hard to, to manage life. Um, I first even wanted to meditate because, and this is going deep. I don't know if I've shared this before, maybe in some capacity. Uh, the, first, the only reason I wanted to meditate was because I wanted to be like a Dragon Ball Z character. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to shoot energy balls. And I was like, okay, so how do you do this? How do you do this thing that, you know, that looks so real to me? In my imagination, it was so real. And so that brought me into like looking up meditation. First off, watching anime was something that I never wanted to tell people I ever did because I felt that I was going to be rejected. So rejection was showing up really early and was playing out in so many different ways, especially within merging and to people please and to find acceptance in people and to, to be that happy person. And so when I first found out that, hey, you can feel chi, they call it chi, you can feel this through meditation. You feel this through sitting, through placing your awareness in certain places and noticing the tingling sensations and how it feels. And, and that really got me really intrigued. So I would hide. I made meditation a shadow instead of bringing it to the forefront like it should be. So when I began meditating, I would meditate after school in the computer room and I printed out all of these documents about different forms, different ways of, of meditation that I wanted to try. And they were like feeling the energy in your belly and seeing if you can move it up into different parts of your body, then see if you can move it outside of the hands, see if you can feel the, the energy around the hands, see if you can feel it around the head, see if you can project it onto something. And so I remember a time specifically when I was in, my room, in the computer room meditating and my mom walks in. I had no idea she was going to be home at all. I didn't think she was going to get home for at least a couple more hours. And she walks in and she's like, Ryan, what are you doing? And I'm sitting on the floor, legs crossed, you know, and in full, I'm in, I'm in full shame mode. I'm in full shame. And the first feeling and sensation that came up in my body was I'm in trouble. I'm about to get a whooping for this for doing something that's not hurting anybody. And this familiar feeling carried on throughout my life for 10, 15 years until I became aware of it. Like that's, that's the work. Like all of these patterns will continue to show up in your life in different ways. So yes, the circumstances may change, but that feeling and that trauma that gets frozen in the body, those sensations are always gonna be there whenever something like is triggered. And so in that moment, I was just in shame. And she asked me, she said, are you in a, a cult? Because my family was really Christian at the time. And meditation was far beyond, in that, in that time, far beyond Christianity, completely Eastern world. And we are 1,000% about the Bible and Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, it doesn't exist. And you shouldn't be looking it up. And so I ended up getting grounded. I didn't get a whooping, thankfully. I did get grounded for meditating. And she brought it up to my father. My father said, I don't know what you were doing, son, but 
either you stop or you do this in real private because this is something that was not accepted. So it pushed the shadow even deeper, right? It pushed the shame up to the surface and pushed the shadow even deeper down. And that was the, the pivotal moment when I began to notice that this part of me is not welcome. This part of me is not welcome in my life. Others aren't going to accept this part. And that's when all these limiting beliefs about myself began to show up. And they began playing out in different ways, like me stopping meditating as much as I was meditating, uh, me people pleasing and, and doing more in, in church, me going to Sunday school more, um, different, different things like that, that I was hiding my true self. And I was also hiding my own value, my own personal value in the meantime. But needless to say, I still, it was still um, necessary for me to go through that process of learning who I was and how I showed up. The, the compensated merging pattern, which if anybody is curious, check out Stephen Kessler's book, The Five Personality Patterns. And that, that merging pattern has that tendency. It's a compensated merging pattern is one that I run as well. And it, it comes back to ignoring your own needs to take care of others and to really mold yourself to what society has projected on you is right or feels right. And so that is the strategy to feel safe, to, to merge with others, to maintain that heart connection with others and to people please, to, to try to get this acceptance from others rather than you know, focusing on expressing, allowing one's own feelings. And so within the training camp for the soul journey, um, I imagine a lot of the, the healing was really becoming present with your own power, with how you have the capacity to truly embody, you know, the powers of a real life Dragon Ball Z character, which in my experience of you, if there's anyone in my life who does embody that, it is you. Talk to me more recently about your processing in being in the mastery program of going deeper into healing the different ways that that shame, that shadow has shown up as you have evolved. Even in high school, I was voted nicest. And that just shows how much of a merger I was, how much of a, a pleaser I was. I did just enough to be liked by everyone. And um, I did my best not to push any buttons whatsoever. So as I lived that way, I learned to live inauthentically. And so when getting into TCS, I just got blown wide open. I was like, now I have to be real. Now I have to, I have to open up about all of the metaphysical things that I typically hide or put away. And it was scary and refreshing at the same time. And when I started opening up more, the more I opened up more, the more I became open to consciousness, to source. Uh, at that time, I also began to get visits from spirit guides and 
these were visits that I used to have when I was 12. And I didn't have after I let go of meditation. And I began to have those experiences more where I felt entities, where I felt beings in the room. Uh, even when I do Reiki now, and which Reiki was something that I completely hid in a way. So notice how merging or how keeping metaphysical practices in the shadows started at 12 and has run all the way up until 30. So and just plays out so many different ways. Uh, and it, it never looks the same, but the feeling is always the same. And so when I even started doing Reiki, um, my Reiki master was saying, as we were practicing with other people, that you know we will have entities that will come into the room to support and to sit with us. And so I had experiences where I was uh, doing Reiki on someone, practicing Reiki, placing my hands in one place, and and this person asked me, are you at my feet? And I was completely at their shoulders. And I was like, no, I'm at your shoulders. She said, well, there feels, there feels like there's someone at my feet and at my shoulders. And I was like, wow, so interesting. So I noticed that when I began to show myself and open up more, and when I was in a, a place where I felt accepted, where I felt that I could accept myself and, and these gifts, that other gifts began to open up. Um, other realms can begin to open up. You can begin to enter different spaces or, or what we all call kind of dimensions of reality. And it could just be a, a mental imaginative experience that is projected into our external world. And so at that moment, I was like, okay, this is what I'm here to do. How can I express this more? Um, and once again, TCS helped me to kind of push that, like really pull the veil of my own beliefs and allowed me to come through as my complete self, as my authentic self. As I continued to do the work of inner healing from different traumas or experiences that I had in my life that I had no idea how to process until then, the more that I began to, to feel different people's energies again, which was very familiar to me um, from my younger days when I could literally sense and feel people's energy that I once again lost. And so once that happened, I was like, okay, so now this feels like I'm in alignment. This feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. From there, I had different synchronicities happen where my Reiki master actually gave me an opportunity. At that time, I did not have the funds to continue training with him. I did not have um, everything I needed lined up in life. To he said, hey, and this is where my personal training skills of 11 years came in handy. He said, hey, if you personal train me, I will teach you everything I know about healing. And I was like, deal. <laughs> so from there, I got completely submerged and emerged into 
the energy world, the place that I wanted to be the entire time, the place I had been completely seeking, but also completely pushing away because of what I believed other people would perceive of me. And when I actually leaned in and allowed more and removed some of the thoughts and beliefs that weren't serving me, like, oh, nobody's going to believe that I do this. Um, oh, people are not going to believe this is real. When I began to remove all of those beliefs, everything seemed, seemed to unfold perfectly. I began to meet people who were into energy work. I began to meet people who needed these services. And it was just a, a really, a really nice ebb and flow. Now at the second, or no, it was at the TCS retreat, the first TCS retreat that I went to, um, I was visited by my spirit guides. Um, and they told me that I was, I was ready. I was ready to completely just dive into this work and just allow this work to be who I was, embody this work. And it was a profound experience. Uh, it was during breath work, which is one of the big reasons why I teach breath work. And during that experience, it literally felt like I was being taken apart and put back together all at the same time. Uh, I had a lot of tremors and it was, it felt like literally pieces of me, like my chest was getting laid to the left side of me. My leg was getting laid to the right side and then put back together. And like, it was almost like a, a Lego block. And that was a, an amazing experience. And I will never forget it. I will never feel the same. And I know that it was, I guess, what we call an, an energetic upgrade when we allow and we are open to receiving and we are open to accepting who we are completely. Uh, the second time uh, or the second big experience that, that really comes to light when I was even in a moment of doubting myself, because still, there's still moments of doubt, right? There's still these thoughts that like to show up. They're not thoughts that we necessarily want a desire to think, but they may be familiar from our familiar past. So still some of that familiar past and, and familiar old beliefs want to show up and it's like a, a check-in. Can you believe me again? Can you believe me again? And can you, can you believe that, that uh, you're not good at this? Can you, do you still believe that, you know, you're not worthy of, of being able to do this work? Do you, do you believe that this even works? And so like these, I still see these little beliefs trying to, or wanting to sneak in. And these are once again, just familiar patterns that our brains have created roadmaps for, right? And these roadmaps are in the process of being broken, broken down. But even, even through that, I see myself thinking these other supportive, really supportive thoughts. And the second retreat was when I noticed a lot of these supportive thoughts coming up even more and more belief and passion in myself and in what I do. Uh, and so in this retreat, I was actually visited by my grandmother and my grandmother was just there. I had a lot of guilt and shame around not visiting her when she was in the process of passing when she was in hospice. And 
this was when I was, I believe, in college, and she she had Alzheimer's, and so my mom and I took care of her for twelve years, and um, there was a lot of emotions around seeing her in such a debilitated state, and it was hard for me to go visit her, and that was something that I had a lot of shame around, um, that I didn't do enough, and that I wasn't a good grandson. And this doesn't show that you love a person. And in that experience at, uh, at the second retreat, um, I was visited by her and I was told by her that she loves me so much. And she loves me no matter what. And I felt her energy. Uh, I even felt her words, right? When, you know, you, you are getting visited by a spirit when you can really feel that same essence that you felt when they were present, right? When you can hear their voice, when you can smell them, you know, and this is a lot when like your five senses are being lit up by just them. And so that is exactly what I was feeling at that moment. And I was feeling so much love and being cared for and valued. And it's something that I missed from her. And I was basically told that this is what I was cutting myself off from by holding on to the guilt, the shame. And when that moment happened, I was able to let that guilt and shame go. And that's when I became more connected with her energetically because she is just an energetic being, just like we all are. She just had a body and her body turned to dust like we all do. And so now is an opportunity for me to connect with her on a different level, on a deeper level. Uh, another crazy part about that experience is that someone else in the room felt that she was there and she had a message for me and told me the, and she was across the room. So there's no way I didn't even speak about my grandmother. So there's no way that she would have even known even about her or what her name was or what she even looked like, but she described her and she said that she had a message for me and that message was to keep living and that she loves me. And there was a, a note that she, she actually wrote to me. And I actually journaled about this afterwards. And, and really, it was about so much love and support that I felt like I didn't receive when I was younger. And so it really helped to complete an energetic loop for me and really dive into the energy work a lot deeper to where now I tell people when they talk to me, hey, I'm an energy worker. Like, this is what I do. Do you want to have an experience? Versus before, a lot of a lot of hiding would have happened in my system, right? Like, I don't want to tell them what I do because they're going to think I'm weird. They're going to reject me. So once again, that rejection showing up again from 12 years old. Um, they're not going to like me. And they're not going to be my friend. Or they're not going to believe me. It's like the worst thing. They're not going to believe that this is even real. And so I had an opportunity to let all that go. And now being in full alignment and full support by source, by spirit. And now I get to walk in that energy every single day. And I also see that there's so much resistance still. There's just different levels of resistance with it. It's like every belief, every limiting belief that we have it shows up in a different way the more we level up. The, the deeper we go into this work, the, the more we get to see 
our limiting beliefs and how we are showing up, but in just a different way. And yeah, that has been the, the, I guess, fun exploration is knowing that, hey, within every limiting belief, I can be vulnerable with this. Like I have all the tools that I need and I can just, I can be open, I can be vulnerable, I can be honest, I can be loving, I can be caring, I can have compassion towards these parts of me that feel this way or that, uh, that I've been hiding. And so I get to uncover, it's a gift that I have now, I get to uncover a lot of these old parts of me that I've been hiding and bring them to light. And even being on this podcast, which I thank you so much, is one. Something that Anat says, who is our mentor and the founder of Training Camp for the Soul, there's a devil at every level. Mm-hmm. And it is our limiting beliefs, our shame, our guilt, our shadow showing up in these new ways that we ultimately get to step to and shine that light on within our healing to progress to that next level of our own healing journey. Um, and that ancestral connection that you're describing is so powerful and has been powerful for me. I was tearing up as you described your experience with your grandmother. And I was at that retreat and remember um, Ashley describing that experience to you. And that brought up in me the connection and guilt I have in relation with my father who passed um, a little over five years now um, and wishing that I had shown up differently in the last years of his life. And as I have progressed on my own, particularly within my journey in the Reiki system, going into um, the advanced Reiki training, um, really allowing my connection with him, my relationship with his spirit to be one of healing and to call upon him, to call upon his energy in communication, in communion with expressing gratitude for his presence, for his protection and allowing the conversation to continue. The the man that I remember, the man that taught me how to be a man in allowing the gratitude to be present for everything that he brought into my life, in my growth and in my journey, and to express that um, the guilt that I have to him has been healing in ultimately his expression of the infinite love of, you know, you are home, you are loved, and you are forgiven for any of these things that you are feeling as expressions of um, a limited sense of self, a contracted sense of self. And so I'm very grateful for you for bringing that up, um, both in the retreat and on this podcast. I would like to shift two years ago, a little bit over two years ago, we collectively entered into this global pandemic and experienced these deep levels of uh, mass formation psychosis and what we can refer to as this fear virus that entered into this field of the collective consciousness. And as someone who I respect as being you know, deeply tapped in to this energy of healing, of empowerment and radical ownership over the self in its many forms, what has your experience been 
um, moving into and through that experience to where you are now. Mm. Yeah. So during that time, uh, I was working for a healthcare company and was feeling really lost. <laughs> Even though everything in my life was absolutely great, I was feeling completely unfulfilled. Once again, identifying with that part that didn't want to share what I truly believed in. Instead, just merged. It was just easier. And when it happened, a thought came into my mind. It was like, okay, so people are going to have to be at home a lot with themselves, with other people that they have resistance towards. So either things are going to have to be cleared or things are going to get stuffed down and pushed down even more. To me, the, the pandemic, it was beneficial in a lot of ways because it let, it, it let people see the real side of themselves. It let people see the sides of themselves that they don't want to look at, that they don't want to address. You know, doing this healing work and doing trauma work, one thing that I've noticed is that people don't come to you until it's an absolute emergency because they feel like they're at their last thread and they don't know what to do anymore. And it doesn't have to get to that point, but for some reason, as humans, we ever known it does. So it was a lot of people's fears, a lot of things that people didn't want to look at started coming to the surface, right? So couples who had been having problems had to actually sit and be with each other for the days, you know, weeks, months. And it was an opportunity to either bring those shadows to light in conversation and honesty and compassion and, and trust and holding the bucket for each other or to avoid, to push away. So a lot of relationships at that point in time were tested. Same thing when it came to families. So sometimes mom and dad don't want to be at home with the kids all day. You know, there's a lot of resistance in that. There, there may be a more responsibility that you have to take on than you necessarily want to. And, and as a parent, it's just challenging. It is very challenging to not only have to work, but also worry about if your child is getting everything they need in the sense of education, in the sense of just having their basic needs met, and then them not getting on your nerves because it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> so it just brought up a lot of things for a lot of people to be able to look at and address. And it was an opportunity to either address these things that you've been pushing down and avoiding and just kind of hiding from yourself in a way, like shifting it out of your, your view or as an opportunity to heal. And so when coming out of the pandemic, you could notice and you could see who had been doing self-work, right? And who hadn't. And the majority of the people, I'm just going to have to say it, did not do a lot of self-work at that time. Just because of what you can see after, the, the aftermath of the pandemic. And so I think it was an opportunity to see how much this type of work, how much trauma work, how much self-healing work is important. There was a lot of trauma that went on during the two years of the pandemic. And so that means there's a lot of unprocessed emotions. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of envy, jealousy of the people who came out of the pandemic thriving versus not thriving. 
And so it's, it's more of an opportunity for people to see where they're out of alignment, where they're out of alignment with what they really want in this life, what they feel like they're called to do, um, or what they just desire and where they are and what's holding them back from that. And it just gave, for me, it gave this work more meaning. Because at the time, once again, I was in a job where it was fine. It, it did everything that I needed it to do. You know, had all my bills paid, et cetera. Uh, everything that in this Western society, everything that they say that you need, I had all the basic needs met. Uh, and when that went away for me, that brought up a lot of that scarcity and fear. But that was exactly what I needed to begin diving deeper into who I really am. Because none of that that I was showing myself or experiencing was who I really was. When I woke up every single day, the first thought that I had was, when I get off work, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. It was, how many emails do I have to answer today? You know, it was, is my boss going to get mad at me today? What am I going to do wrong? You know, and, <clears throat> and what do those type of thoughts, what do those type of thoughts like reap? You know, what, what do you reap from those type of thoughts? Um, are you going to reap supportive uh, environments uh, or are you going to reap more negativity and, and protecting yourself from feeling a lot of those emotions that you don't want to feel? Right. So it gave me an opportunity to, especially when losing that job, gave me such an opportunity to dive deeper into the unknown. Because in the unknown, you have an opportunity, major opportunity to see how the universe can support you in the most unpredictable way possible. When you plan everything out in your life, you have no room for the universe to support you in an unpredictable way, to give you what you want and what you desire in the way that you could have never seen coming. And so that's where I am now, in a, in a space where I can be gifted different things. Over the course of those months after uh, losing that job, the universe supported me in such unpredictable ways, uh, unpredictable ways emotionally, unpredictable ways financially that I could never have believed. And even till today, I still struggle with it. I mean, it's just being human. And every single time it just comes back to more compassion and less effort, every single time. I imagine that there are many people who are still in that space of repressing, of pushing down these emotions that they've spent all of their life working to avoid that have become more and more challenging, more and more tension creating. What practical advice would you give to people who are looking to take that first step in bringing awareness to their shadow, to their repressed traumas in creating that awareness? Yeah. So first noticing where they show up in your life. The best way to do that is to notice, become aware of when you get triggered and write it down. Write down why you're triggered. That way you get to review your thinking in that moment. Think about it. When we are triggered or when we are angry, frustrated, or in those, in those emotions that are of lower vibration, is our mind more open and more closed? It's always gonna be more closed, more tunnel vision. 
So we won't be able to see different perspectives. But when we write it down, we're able to not only slow down our thinking, because sometimes our minds can be very chattery and can move faster than the pen. So when we slow down, we really get to feel, because feeling is one thing that we typically avoid through fast talking. We get to feel the emotions, and then we get to go back and review. All right, how was I feeling this day? Like, what was it that was triggering for me this day? Oh, I get to see that now this is, this is something that happens often. And you get to question and get curious with what did I need in that moment? What could have brought me back to balance? Would it have been just breathing? Would it have been just giving myself more compassion knowing that I'm not perfect? So what was that thing that could have supported me in that moment that I could have given myself that would have helped me to be more open to whatever situation it was, whether it was frustrating, being frustrated by a partner or a friend or a coworker, or even sitting in traffic. What is it that you needed? Was it more patience? And once again, I'm really big on questioning. So it's one question after another to really open up that door. So especially coming from a narrow-minded place, you want to find ways to open up the door with the what's, the, the how's, and the where's. Um, I'm typically a person who, in a lot of ways, avoids the why's because the why's can really send you into a loop, into that mental loop. It's not the why's don't really solve a problem so much in those moments as a what, a where, and how. So like, where can I give myself more compassion? You know, where, where, what, where does that thought alone send you? Where can I give myself more compassion? How can I give myself more compassion? What do I need in this moment to make me feel just 1% better? What do I need to feel 1% more supported? Like, so those different types of questions just open up the door to a different perspective instead of staying in the, the loop, so to speak, of the, uh, the negative feelings and emotions and sensations. You know, our thoughts are the one part that creates our reality, that creates the results. So if your thoughts are you know, negative, then the results are gonna be negative. The feelings are gonna be negative. The actions are gonna be a reflection of the thought. And so when you can shift that thought just a little bit and because sometimes these uncomfortable feelings are so familiar that they are comfortable. And so if you can shift just 1%, just a little bit, then you can begin to change your mind, change your feelings, change your emotions and change your result. Yeah. That combining the breath with the internal dialogue, with the internal questioning of the, the dialogue um, has been a powerful part of my own practice. And I know that breath work is a key part of yours. What kinds of breath work do you recommend to your own clients who are just getting into this personal development work, this emotional healing work as an entryway into guiding yourself deeper into your capital S self mm -hmm. to facilitate that questioning? Oh man, I love breath work so much. <laughs> it just lights me up and it is a gateway to deep, meditation and deep knowing of self, deep knowing of space and space without time. It is so interesting. 
So where I typically start people off, because a lot of people think they, they know how to breathe. You know, they do it every day. They do it unconsciously. So they know what to do. And breath work is not going to work. And that is completely false. Breath work works for everybody who breathes. Plain and simple. So starting places that I typically give people are just basic triangle breathing. Because triangle breathing, you're able to explore different ways of how your breath can support you and downregulate your system, how your breath can make you relax. So an example of triangle breathing is inhaling for five seconds, exhaling for five seconds, and holding for five seconds. So you see that can be a triangle, inhale, exhale, hold. Cool thing about triangle breathing is that you can switch up all the parts into so many different combinations, right? It's like a Rubik's cube. You know, you have so many different combinations and all of them, for this Rubik's cube, all of them are correct. So you can even do an inhale, a hold, and an exhale. And so you can not only change up your inhale holds and exhales, but change up the timing. So five second inhale, 10 second hold, 15 second exhale, or whatever you really want to do. You know, there's box breathing, but I typically start people off with triangle breathing because it's, for me, I've seen it to be more easier and more flexible when introducing other forms of breath work. So it's like giving you a really solid foundation of, okay, this is familiar because this is a version of triangle breathing that I just tried out. You know, when you do like chi breathing, which chi breathing is a double inhale and a double exhale, you know, that can also be, a part of it can also be tested or felt in a triangle breath. Um, even circular breathing can also be tried and tested in a triangle breath, which is just inhaling and exhaling. It's like uh, what we call the Wim Hof. It's also in rebirthing. And it's also in a lot of, a lot of these, breathing modalities really implement triangle, not triangle breathing, but just that, that deep breathing of that deep inhale, that deep exhale, that circular breathing. So after teaching triangle breathing and having people just explore their own breath, because there's no quote unquote correct breath work. There's no absolute breath work. It's just a breath work that works for you for what you need it to do. So after triangle breathing, I typically introduce circular breathing um, with inhales or holds at the top. And I've noticed that those have been very instrumental in getting people really deep into their subconscious, into that space of just nothing and everything all at the same time. You are no one and you are everyone. Um, and you can also feel a similar experience with doing Wim Hof, for example, where the hold is instead of at the top, it's at the bottom. It's at the bottom of the breath. There's no air, fully oxygenated body and just sitting, feeling no one, nowhere, and no time. So that's typically where I start. It's a really cool experience. And especially if you haven't experienced it before, if there's someone that's listening to this and they want to try breath work, just start off with simple triangle breathing. Because sometimes breath work can be um, a little scary. And the experience, if you haven't experienced something like this before, it can trigger something in the nervous system. You know, trauma can be released through just breathing alone. 
And so if you can settle down the nervous system and just allow as much as you possibly can, then you will have a transformation. You will have a transformative experience through breath work. I love that you brought up the triangle breath as in my own teaching of breath work, it has been super accessible as many people are upregulated and to just bring them to that down-regulated state. And I found progressively expanding the edges of the triangle to really slow down and bring yourself back into the body. Notice what it is that you're experiencing in the present as a very simplistic self-coaching tool has been super powerful um, and very accessible to people just getting into the concept of using their breath to create more awareness. Ryan, it has been beautiful to have your presence on the podcast today. Where can people find you? How can people work with you? Where would you like to direct the audience? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Nate, for allowing me to be on the podcast today and and having this beautiful conversation. It's always great to be in this energy. And people can find me at uh, www.foresightfit.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at the Just Ryan. Those are the main two. So foresightfit.com. You can find all of my uh, content there as far as all the different ways I support. And then also some freebies, some free breath work and meditations. And uh, also you can find me on Insight Timer. I'm one of the teachers on there. And that's a very fun place to be. I go live there every week for free breath work sessions and free meditation sessions. So hopefully see someone there. So dope. Lots of entryways to work with you. Beautiful. I appreciate it. Love you, brother. And hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you so much. I appreciate you.